0: Hello, everyone. My name is Pastor Maya Rodriguez. I want to welcome you to my weekly podcast. It is a true privilege to be able to share the good news of God's word with you. Enjoy. Can we give a round of applause also to our online church? Yes, to all of those that are watching online this morning, maybe it's your first week jumping onto to our series, this, this series that we've been touching on that I'm so excited about. It's called Hope for Your Home. So maybe you've been here for the past couple of weeks. Maybe you joined in on Wednesday for that extra bonus track. Or maybe you're here for the first time just tuning in. It's okay. You're still going to get something out of there. Yes, come on in. Bring, bring my family's baggage on stage. Yes, perfect. Give a round of applause. Yes, that's all. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we can get it closer. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Say family baggage. Yep, there is. This is gonna get this is gonna get hot this morning. Talking about family baggage. Turn to your neighbor, and if that neighbor is family, say this just got interesting. Yes, family baggage. Oh heavenly Father, help us, right? Help us. We're we're learning so much with this series, and there really is hope for your home. There is hope for your home. Say there's hope for my home. So we all come from somewhere, right? There's not a question like who came first, you know, or what came first, the chicken or the egg. I mean, we know that we came from our mother's tummy. If you are here and you're underage and you still think you came from um, somewhere else, uh, your parents can talk to you after service, right? Um, And if you still believe in Santa Claus, your parents can talk to you after service as well. But anyway, we all come from somewhere that is to say our history did not start with us, right, church? Our story didn't start with us. We all come with a story. So you're sitting by someone. Look at that someone. And there is a story behind that face. There is a story behind that face. It doesn't matter if it is your spouse. It doesn't matter if they are your children. There is a story if it is your mom and you think you know everything about her. Or if it is your dad. There is a story behind that face because we all come with a story. A story that's been molded by our parents, right? Our grandparents, if we had family around us. or A story that has been molded by the culture that surrounded us at that time. It makes a difference if you're born in the United States, if you grew up here, if you grew up in another country. That makes a difference in the way, in the manner that you see things, right? We're, we're molded by our family members, the culture, the country we lived in. A story made up of, a, of a, that made up and, and really had consequences on the way that we, we think of things, the way that we reason, the way that we perceive what we consider to be odd what we consider to be different, right? Hmm, That's interesting. I've never, I never was exposed to that. I never did that. It just depends on what culture you came up in or you were raised in. So in my case, I am Mexican American. What does that mean? All the Mexican Americans, all the Chicanos, all the, right? Okay. Some people like to call us pochos. Okay. What is that? That that means that both my parents are Mexican, but I was born in the United States, right? And not only am I Mexican-American, I would say it makes a difference when I say I'm West Coast. Come on, there's a difference between West Coast and the East Coast. West Coast is the best coast, right, you guys? All the West Coasters. Okay, if you think East Coast is the best coast, get to East Coast, okay? No, no, no. I love you. Don't unfollow me. I'm not hating, okay? Then it doesn't just make a difference if you're East Coast or West Coast. Now I'm talking about I'm a California, but it makes a difference because I was born in Anaheim, so I'm a Southern California girl. That makes a difference. Come on, you guys. So some of y'all, I lost you, right, because you're born in Mexico or you're born in Cuba, but doesn't it make a difference in your country if you are from the coast, right? If you grew up by a beach, it makes a difference in your culture if you grew up in the mountains or if you grew up in the city, That's what I'm trying to get to. It doesn't just mean the country you're born, but it's also the place you were born, what you were exposed to that brings an influence in your life, right? So, yes, I am Mexican-American, born in Southern California. All of those emphases make a difference, right? Born in Southern California. I'm a West Coast girl, right? And then I moved to Vegas, and I've lived here for 24 years. So I'm basically now a Vegas girl, right? We have our own culture. Come on, you guys. Right? Two o'clock in the morning, you want steak and eggs. Come on, Las Vegas. You can only get that in Vegas. Have you ever been to California wanting to put gas after a certain time and the gas station's closed? What, What are they thinking, right? We're like, who doesn't just have steak and eggs readily available at 2 a.m.? I mean, those silly people, right? But it's part of our Las Vegas culture. It's part of our city. So my husband is born in Mexico, raised in Mexico, now has lived here for most of his life. And I notice a lot of times people, uh, again, because I'm Mexican-American born here, All notice sometimes, like, oh, yeah, I'm a real Mexican. So I'm like, wait, so am I half a Mexican? Like, am I not a real Mexican, right, you guys? Sometimes we say those things, or you could say, you know, I'm a real Mexican, or I'm a real Guatemalan, or I'm a real Salvadorian. Oh, because you were born in that country, so that makes you real somehow, right? So, again, we say those things without noticing that our comment right? Excludes people or because we're so just used to it. We're like, oh no, that's not real Mexican food, right? You guys, when somebody's like, oh yeah, um, I have had Taco Bell and we're like, that's not a taco, right? That's not just not a taco, but it's a good taco. It's a good, if you want to be in the restroom for three days, but it's a good taco, okay? But anyway, so the idea of this geographical journey, right, in my life, why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you my husband is Mexican-born? Because it all makes a difference. It makes a difference. It's influenced the home, the home culture that we've created, the home culture that my girls know as as, as their home culture. But a lot of times, each one of us, you know, when, when I married Mario, I came with with a lot of baggage. And, and I'd like to say it was good, good stuff, but usually the stuff that really makes the difference is the bad stuff. You know, the stuff that I come carrying that I didn't unpack. And now that it's in my home and it's creating, it's, it's, it's getting itself into my home culture now. You know, we all come with these unique family cultures so here's some good stuff and here's some bad stuff. And I have my unique family culture and then Mario has his. Sometimes I'd say like this is Mario's, right? And this is mine. But but truth but truth is this is right? But truth is this is all of mine. Yeah. That's so Mexican. Okay. So much. Yeah. Right? Okay. Please, babe, please. So, okay just to just so that we can get uh uh where I'm who I'm talking to who is shoes off when you are in your home shoes off need to come off okay who is shoes on from the time you get up or socks you have to have socks pantuflas shoes something on all the time or you'll get sick Come on, you guys, let's. Shoes on, pantuflas, socks, something on your feet, because then you'll get sick or you'll get bacteria come into your body, okay? Whose shoes off because it's too dirty, they're dirty, and you have to keep your house clean? Whose shoes off? Again, shoes off. Okay, very little, okay. It depends what culture you were brought up and with what mentality. So in my home, it was like shoes on all the time. You can't touch cold floor with shoes. You can't just like be changing your shoes all the time. You go outside without shoes or whatever. You know, you're going to get sick. You never go into a restroom without shoes. And if that shower, you're in a hotel, like you put on flip-flops to go into that shower because everything comes in through your feet. That was what I grew up with. Now I have a friend and she's Indian and her culture is shoes off. You got to step just with your feet onto my floor because your shoes are so dirty and you have to have your shoes off. And I'm like, "Ah, what is this? Why are you making me take off my shoes? And I told her, I said, in my culture, most of the people in my culture, if we have, we have, we like to, have a lot of tile in our homes, and like, she's like, so do we, like, yeah, we don't like to have a lot of carpet in our homes, so we have shoes on, you know, or slippers, or something, because we don't want to get bacteria, and then we'll get sick, and she's like, sick, I'm like, yes, don't you know, you get sick, if you, you know, if you go, if you, touch the floor without shoes off, or you'll get something that come up in your mouth, like a kink store or something. And she's like, she's like, I'm a doctor. And I'm going to tell you that's not true. And I'm like, well, I'm Latina. And I'm going to tell you, my mom knows what she's talking about, right? So if my friend's watching, yeah. But that's cultures. That's with a friend. Now I moved in to my house, right? With my new husband or with And now it's not just shoes on, shoes off. Sometimes now it's blending all of this baggage, deciding what we're keeping and what we're taking away. Say there's a lot of family baggage though. You guys, come on. There's a lot of family baggage. We would say that your past does not just affect that you're now, your culture now. But this is actually affecting all the baggage I brought into my marriage is actually affecting my future because it's affected my children. And it's affected, and I'm not saying it's good or bad yet. I'm just saying it's affected them, and it's going to affect their children. So this, all of this stuff that has been collected through the years through my grandparents, my parents, and that I have chosen to pack up and bring with me because I had to choose to pack it up, can't leave you behind, right? So I'm choosing to pack it up and bring it with me into my life. Carrying it with me is not just affecting me it affects my children and my children's children, your experiences, your surroundings, the family you belong to, the school you went to, what part of town it was in, your friends, you know, what you were exposed to. Were you exposed to traveling? Were you exposed to, you know, um, roller coasters? Were you exposed to amusement parks? Were you exposed to restaurants? Were you exposed to different cultures? Everything you were exposed to, the good and the bad, you know, Everything we went through, all of those things matter. And I think the best way to explain what happens a lot of times is that they matter so much that they become, instead of, you know, pushing us forward, instead of being a step to which we step on to get to higher ground, sometimes it becomes an anchor to our past. So as much as we want to move forward and we want to move past all of this stuff, you know, this one's coming from generation to generation. You know, this is kind of like these last couple of years, you know, when I was growing up. And this one, now that I've been married, right? So we're going, but this one, and it's like all of this stuff becomes an acre. So I try to get better and I try to move away and I try to be a healthy mom and have a healthy response. But if something triggers me, all of a sudden I'm back to this. I'm unpacking this again. And it's kind of like this bungee. Have, have you ever seen the kids on this bungee? I love this, this bungee race. Okay. So we do this a lot of, with with grace kids. We'll rent this a lot. So you strap yourself in and then when you count to three, both people try to take off as fast as they can and they try to get to the end. But to be, to be honest with you, the faster you try to move forward, the quicker it shoots you back. Because when you go with so much force quickly, it'll just bring you back to the beginning. And that's what happens with us a lot of time. Instead of taking our, our, our time to try to build upon, to try to go forward, to cut off all of this baggage, to throw it away, to put it away, right? To just get rid of it. Instead, we manage, we try to manage to move forward by while still being tied to our past. So what happens? We're moving, we're, we feel like we progress, and we feel like the, we've managed to mature, and, and like we're getting better, and now I'm a mom, or now I'm a dad, right? And now, you know, my, parent, my kids are grown, and, and so I should have already been able to get over that. I shouldn't have, you know, I I shouldn't, but then a trigger comes and all of a sudden I'm back to that 16-year-old girl or I'm back to that 21-year-old that has this trauma that is now throwing a fit in front of my girls as a mom. You know, and you as a dad, you're back to that selfishness that you were because, or to that fear or to those words that you hated that were said at you, but yet now you're using them to talk to your kids. You're back to that because you've brought it with you. You've let it, you've let it pull you back. And so the question now comes, so why do I keep getting pulled back? Ask it with me. Say, why do I keep getting pulled back? I feel like to answer that question, I need to ask you more questions. Have you ever wondered why you can't just bite your tongue? So in order for me to answer this whole sermon of family baggage, so why do I get keep getting pulled back, I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever wondered why you just can't stay quiet? Have you ever wondered why that thing bothers you so much, so much? Why you keep on reacting to that or circling back to the same type of relationship? Have you ever wondered why you keep on... Looking for people that are the same type of people that always bring hurt to your life. The same type of addiction. Have you ever wondered why you keep on going back to that vicious cycle? Why do I spend more more than I should spend? Have you ever wondered why? What you're trying to fill. Why you overspend? Why you don't budget? Why you don't spend? Why you save everything. Have you ever wondered what is causing that fear to where you can't spend or can't enjoy your money? Have you ever wondered why you feel unfulfilled? Why? Have you ever asked yourself, why can't my family just be normal? Say, why can't we be normal? Come on, come on, say it. Why can't we be normal? If you have your family next to you, say, why can't we be normal? Well, pause, parentheses, normal. <laughs> so if your family's crazy, if your family's crazy, then you're normal. Okay? No, literally. Now you're normal because we're all crazy. We're, we're all just just that little crazy, but, but there's always that one family member that just gets an extra bit of crazy in them. You know? That one and if you're still thinking, which one, which one is, it's you. If you still don't know who it is, you don't know what aunt I'm talking about or what uncle, it's you. You're the crazy one because you're still trying to figure out who it is, okay? You're like, am I the drama? Am I the drama? Yes, yes, you are the drama. Say you're the drama. <laughs> so why do we get, keep on getting pulled back is the question. So I'm going to tell you a story. My family and I love to travel. That's part of our family culture. We love to travel. We've had our girls on a plane. I was pregnant in Peru with Nicole uh, in a stadium with just doing one of uh, uh, an event in, in Peru. And, I mean, I was there pregnant. And I always said, we would, we're always going to travel with our girls. It does not matter. We're not going to let children limit us to traveling because we love to travel. So we love to expose our girls to different cultures. And um, usually we can spot people that don't know how to travel though. Because we travel so much that you can just spot them. And, and I feel so bad for them. Because most people that don't know how to travel. <clears> okay. <throat> this luggage, and this luggage, and this luggage. I imagine this one without even, okay. These are part of a set, right, you guys? Can you guys see that? And this is my daughter Isabella's, okay? So they're going on a weekend trip. This is Isabella's luggage. That's Isabella's luggage. That's one of my daughter's luggage. Because I've taught my daughters to pack, to travel light, because in our home, you carry what you pack the time they were little, you carry what you pack. Because when you're in Italy or you're in somewhere going upstairs, climbing rocks, you're going to be carrying what you pack. Whose luggage do you think this one is? I have two daughters. This is my daughter Nicole's luggage for a two-day trip to California. And whose luggage do you think this is? Danny's luggage, my son-in-law's luggage. Right, you guys? You can see the difference on the luggage. So even when my family culture, I taught these two the same thing. <laughs> right? There's no rocks to climb, she says. Style style comes first. Yes, style comes first. But anyway, I just want to make that note, right? Everybody's luggage. So I've taught my girls to pack light. So when you see people running through the airport like this, We're like, poor, oh my gosh, they do not, this is their first trip. This is probably their, mostly when they're going like this and it's one person going to Italy, we're like, oh Lord, help them. And if they're wearing heels, even worse, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, no, what are they doing? So we know that people that like to travel don't want to be lugging around luggage. Because when you like to travel, you're going a lot of places. And for you to get around to a lot of places, you can't go with this type of luggage. This is just not possible. So why are we going through life trying to carry around all of this luggage? And this is how we do it. So, you know, you're going through life, and here we are carrying around our luggage, right? And now I moved in with my husband, and and this is how we go through life. And I'm going to tell you guys another thing. So... In my home, my husband has tried to implement. Mr. My husband's very clean, very orderly. And um, did you notice emphasis on my husband? Um, and when my daughters were young, coming home from the airport, we all had to go to the laundry room. I know. And they had to literally take off their clothes so they could go in, take showers. I'm talking about their little. Take off your clothes. Go take showers. Put on clean pajamas into your clean bed so we can let— wash all of your clothes, right? And so he'd unpack all of their stuff. So guess whose luggage usually remains in my bedroom in the corner? I gave you guys the answer. Who's my luggage, right? So I'm the one that doesn't like to unpack. Yes, judge me. So I tell my husband, babe, put it upstairs. I'll unpack it. Yeah, I'll unpack it when I need something from it, right? So I'm like, so I try to put it in a little corner. So no one, so it doesn't bother my husband, right? And he unpacks all his stuff, and he'll do it. And then he's gotten to the point, because we've been married for 24 years. So now my husband has gotten to the point where he wants to motivate me. So what does he do? He opens the luggage and leaves it on top of this little little box that we have. He opens it. And he's like, look, babe, I've already unpacked all my luggage. Oh, by the way, I left your luggage there open for you. And I'm like, great, thanks. And then I walk away and go make myself a coffee, right? And I'm like, oh, it's so stressful. Like, why? Why does he want to force me, right? I'm trying to get better, but usually it still takes me about two to three days after he's opened my luggage, And it's in my room. I know you guys are judging me right now. But how many of you guys are carrying around luggage, right? And things that your parents did, and just, and this isn't hate on parents' day, you guys, precisely because of that, because you haven't let it go. So you put it nicely there in a corner, and it's all the things you blame them for, your grandparents, and you put it there in the corner. Right? And you're like, okay, I don't have that, but you do. You have it there in the corner. You've set it apart so no one can see it, right? And the thing is that you don't want to unpack it because it's hard when it has your last name. It's hard to unpack things when they have your last name. It's hard to unpack family baggage because unpacking this means I got to face a lot of the hurt, a lot of the things that I keep on carrying. With me. So the question was, right why does it keep on pulling me back well hebrews 12:1 says this therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith it says let us strip off every weight that slows us down it doesn't say put it in a corner and don't unpack it it says strip it off it means literally take all of this which i would like to do every time i travel and just throw it away instead of unpack like throw it away give it to god and these are the two points for this morning. You can't heal what you don't recognize. You guys, you can't heal what you don't recognize. I'm giving you guys bite sized pieces because, in reality, church, if you don't get this, we're going to move on. And then next year, two years, three years from now, you're going to be struggling with the same issues. You're going to be struggling with the same issues. Why? But I, I love God, and I, yeah, and God loves you. But he can't heal what you don't give him. And you can't give him what you haven't recognized. And you have to say, okay, here it is. This is it. And again, it's not to point fingers. It's not to find the culprit. It's not to say, put all of the burden on somebody. No, it's to take responsibility and say, I've been carrying this around This is why I act like this. This is why I check your life 360, 360 times a day. This is why I need you to check in with me every hour. This is why I can't handle when you say I'm going away or I need a break. This is why when you don't answer the phone, I start to panic. This is why I can't have you checking your Instagram while you're driving because I was, you know, T-boned in an accident and now my palms get sweaty and I have this trauma in my life. And so whenever I'm in a car and something like this happened, this is why I can't get Get into a sedan, right? Because there's something inside of me that just it stirs it up and I haven't healed from it. But I need to recognize, I need to recognize what it is so that God can heal it. We gotta recognize what's pulling you back. You know, if you're driving down the street and your car breaks down. And you're like, oh, I have faith, though. In the name of Jesus, it's going to get better. In the name of Jesus, I'm like, great, I'm so glad. You're like, oh, because I don't have enough faith, it doesn't work. No, there's just things, though. There's consequences. There's true consequences to you not changing the oil. Yeah, there's forgiveness. God will forgive you. I'm so sorry, God, because I wasn't responsible with my car. I didn't give it an oil change. So now it's broken down. God will forgive you. But guess what? You just ruined your car. Now you got to spend hundreds of dollars on getting it fixed. For as much as you repent from something, you still have to live out the consequences of you not recognizing or not doing what your responsibility was. What are you responsible for? You're not responsible for your past. For the, for the past of your parents. You're not responsible for asking forgiveness for what they did or what they didn't. You're not even responsible for judging because the only judge is God. But you are responsible for saying, Lord, this is what's hurting me. This is it. I need to give it to you because I can't move on. It's holding me back. It's pulling me back. I'm not moving forward because it's too much for me. Come on, you guys. So you, you can't heal from what you don't recognize. And noth- number two is nothing you in- ignore can improve. Nothing that you ignore can improve. It's like continuing to do the same thing, and you're going to think that something is going to change in your home. First, you have to acknowledge. You've got to recognize. And you have to say, I'm not going to ignore it anymore, God. Like, I'm coming, and yes, I'm coming to church, but this doesn't make me better than my parents. And if I thought it did, Why? Why do I think it makes me better? Why am I in this competition? Why do I judge? Why do I say those things? See, they noticed, um, I'm sorry. You're you're not going to notice that as soon as you're saved, all of your sins are just going to be washed. Your sins are washed away, but your sinful nature is still in a process. And you have to be intentional about growing with God. And you have to be intentional about coming to him with all of your baggage, with all of this, so that he can heal you and he can give you the hope that your home needs. We need to identify what, how my family has shaped me. We're, again, we're not going to blame our parents, but we are, our goal is to heal in order so that my daughters can be healed, so my sons can be healed, so that we're not carrying this baggage around. You know, just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You can't ignore something and expect it to get better. You have to talk about those things. And you remember in the Ten Ten Commandments when God was giving the people of Israel the Ten Commandments and he was saying Exodus 24 to 5 and he said, you're not going to make yourself any idol. You shouldn't make yourself an idol. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection to any other gods. And he says this, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. Oh my gosh, am I then having to ask forgiveness for my mom's sins? or my father's sins, or my grand. No, this isn't what it's saying. It's saying that you're living out the consequences of a lot of the sinful um, decisions your parents made. The fact that your dad abandoned you has affected you. And has affected you that you yourself weren't modeled what it was to be a father. The fact that your mother wasn't there has affected you, and it's okay to say it. It's not to blame anyone. This is you before God and say, "It's affected me." But when I can recognize it, when I can when I don't ignore it, when I can deal with it, give it to God and I can say, "Lord, even though I wasn't modeled how to be a father, you show me how to be a father." I want to be I'm your son and through your word you can show me. Why? Because we're not going to follow the patterns of the earth. We're going to ask God for his heavenly patterns so that we can be changed one aspect at a time. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Come on, guys. Come on. So in here, really quickly, how is your life impacted? How did your family handle conflict would be a question that I want you to meditate on this week. How did your family handle conflict? And that's a question to have within your, with your spouse or with your children. This is how my family handled conflict, and this is why. Now, was it biblical? Was it the biblical way? Because just because your family always did it doesn't mean it was right. Some of those are you have to recognize in order to change. So how did we handle conflict? How did Mario's family handle conflict? How are we now going to handle conflict? Two feelings. Were you able to vocalize your feelings? Were you able to say, hey, I'm sad? Hey, like, I'm going through this? Were you able to vocalize? Or were you all always everything's feelings? Which is also not right because the heart is deceiving. So, was it always about feelings? Oh, we're not doing Christmas because we're all mad at each other and we're all feeling, so let's just ruin Christmas. No, no, no. You're not ruining my Christmas because of your feelings. Take a pill, have a glass of wine, you know, shake it off. We're having Christmas, like, or we're doing this. Like, I'm that type of person, but there's other people like, I just can't. I'm just like, oh, no, I don't have time for that drama. You know, I'm like, you're not ruining my daughter's Christmas. Or you're not doing ruining my—I'm just like that. But maybe you're not. But you're like, how? How? But I can't be this hypocrite. I can't, I can't have you ruin my Christmas. Right? There's. It just—were you able to express your feelings? Number two. Number three, do you have true conversations, true transparent conversations with each other about sex? About, um, about anxiety, about depression, about things that are going on in the family? Like, do you have conversations? Do you know how much money there is? Do you know what's going on? Like, do you talk to your kids? Number four, what makes a person good or bad? What's our definition? What's our family definition of someone who's good and someone who's bad? Because sometimes you guys keep on saying bad, bad, and your son or your daughter are just that. So all they're growing up is, I don't belong here. I don't fit here. I don't have a voice. See, it's a family culture that you're creating a culture where your family doesn't want to be. Where your family can't flourish. Because you have so much baggage on how how the Perez's did it. This is how we did it. So am I so stuck on how the Perez's did it that now I can't make a, a family or a home. I can't create a culture where my Rodriguez girls can grow up and flourish. How do you define success? What is success for your family? This is so needed. On a Wednesday, I gave a bonus track. Su- success for me. This is something that I'm, I'm, I'm going to just give it to you. Success for me, success for me as a mom, as a wife, as for my home is creating a home where everyone is completely dependent on God. For me, that's number one success. If each one of my girls, because I know that if something happens to me, my husband's going to be okay. If something happens to me, my girls will be okay because everyone is completely dependent on God and not on me. Are you creating a home where everyone needs to be dependent on you because you're a manipulator? Because you like all the attention on yourself? because you're passive aggressive and you're you like to get into those things and you pretend you don't but you really do and you find your way to get in like a little snake and i'm telling you that because maybe that's how you grew up so all of these things are important for you to unpack see there's a lot of unpacking to do what is your what is your family's definition of success is your family always about money, money, money? And you're like, we're, you guys are poor. and You're like, oh, we're poor. How can it be about money? Well, are you always telling your kids? No, no tenemos para eso. No, there's not enough for that. How much does that cost? Sometimes I'll see little kids. They'll come up to me. And they're like, how much was that? I'm like, why? You want to buy them? But you know why they ask? Because their dad or their mom constantly asks that. They can't ever enjoy something. They always have to ask how much it costs. You know that that's more making an idol than when you're just generous. And I'm not saying for you to be, you know, if you don't have money, you shouldn't be getting a Starbucks, right? But what I'm saying is, what I am saying though, is it can't always be about money. Just enjoy yourself. Like enjoy life. If you were able to have the experience, experience it. But do your kids always say, oh no, there's not enough money for that. That costs too much. They're just repeating what they hear. They're repeating that they, that your home is always struggling. They're repeating that you guys never have enough. They're repeating that there is, poverty in your home they're repeating the mentality that you've created on them any addictions number six any addictions run in your home Write, write it out i mean you might say oh my gosh yes drugs because that one's so easy hey but how about pornography how about the addiction of eating of gluttony Where you just drown all of your emotions in food. Like your family can have different addictions. How about the, I mean, an addiction to sports and you work out two and three times a day because you're so addicted to your own body. I mean, why? Why do I find the need to work out? It's good. You want to be healthy, but why? When does it cross from being healthy to being an addiction? Number seven, was there a traumatic event? Did something happen to you that you can say that after that traumatic event in my family? This is what has happened. And again, it's not to blame fingers in the past. It's to say, This is it. Here it is, God. I come to you with all of it. I can't anymore. I just I wanna, I don't just wanna check it in and then reach, you know, get it back, pick it up at the end of 10 years. No, I want to give it to you. I need you to throw it away. I don't wanna I'm purging of all of this junk because I don't need it. I don't need it, I don't need to be pulled back. How many can say amen? Stand to your feet. come on God. Come on guys. Stand to your feet. Just remember this. So Ephesians 6:12 says that we are not fighting an, eminent, an enemy of flesh and blood. Your enemy is not your spouse, your enemy are not your children. kids, teenagers. I know you feel like it, it they are. I know you feel like your parents are your enemy, but they're not your enemy. They are not your enemy. The devil is our enemy, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy your family. If something is trying to divide your family, something, someone, even if it's called mother-in-law, father-in-law, um, if it's called work, if it's called friend, and they're trying to get between this, okay, that's the devil at work. It's not against them. It's the devil at work. Whatever tries to divide a family, it's the devil at work. But the devil doesn't have power. So he uses lies. He is the king of lies, he is the father of lies. So he doesn't come powerful to move your family and divide it. No, he's going to plant lies to say, You're not accepted. They don't need you, you're not missed. You're not talented enough. So he comes, the devil comes with these lies. Why? Because you didn't have a dad. So when you feel like someone doesn't need you, then you just totally escape from them. Like you don't want, because you don't want to deal with the fact that you didn't have a dad. That you miss him. That you wanted a dad. So when someone doesn't want to help you or a, a, a guy friend can't be that for you, you're resentful towards them. And you're like, why am I resentful towards them? Or I'm resentful for, for people that do have dads. Why? Because I have past trauma. See, so we have to come with that. And the devil wants to plant lies in your heart and say, you were better when you were when you were single. You were better if you were in this relationship. You do better if, you know, if you would only change this, if you would only do that. If you could only be like your brother. If you could only be like your sister. See, the devil uses people to say things to you. If you were only lighter skinned. If you were only darker skinned. If you were only taller. If you were only not so, you know, American. You were more Mexican. Or maybe you're, you're, maybe if you were whiter and you weren't so dark. Or maybe if you were more Americanized and not so Latino. I, I don't know what they've told you, but it's all lies. You are who God has said you are. You are a child of God. And God will use all of this for his glory. In Jesus' name. Can we get an amen? Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your family, friends, frenemies. Lord knows we all need more Jesus. Until next week.